while we're in worship, as our pastor prepares to bring us the word, I want you to do something for me. Take your hands and stretch it out toward our pastor. Let's lift him up in prayer as he prepares to teach God's word. Need everybody. God, we come right now to the throne of grace. God, we come to lift up our shepherd. Uh, we've come to lift up the angel of this house that you've assigned to us. Lord, we pray for him right now that you give him preaching power. Fill him up with the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever is in the way, Lord, we pray right now that you remove it. We pray that anything that's going on that the devil be told that not today. We're going to hear from the Lord. So, Lord, we ask for preaching power for our pastor. We ask that you anoint him with the fire of the Holy Ghost. So that when he preaches, he preaches your uncompromising gospel. So that somebody might come to a saving faith. Bless him now, Lord, as only you can. Hold him up as only you can. Bring to remembrance all the things that you need him to say. And Lord, we pray that somebody be helped today. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for his love for the word. Thank you for his love for all people. And so God, we come right now. We lift him up to you. And we ask your blessings. In the name of the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, everybody pull out your phones. Got a little survey question for you. Those of you who are streaming with us, we would love for you to participate in this as well. I think it's appropriate today I'm wearing my black T-shirt with white writing, which signifies the magnification team. The magnification team is designed to help you experience God in a personal way, to understand that worship is not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's something that you do every day of your life. Whether you do something good or bad, at that moment, you are worshiping. The question is not, are you worshiping? It's to whom are you giving worship at that time? And the T3147 series and challenge is really a worship challenge. Are we going to give God all of who we are and all that we have in a way that will honor him? Pull out your phones. I want you to text to 2233 the word good hope. One word. Text the word good hope to 22333. Here's our survey question. What's the most important thing you want to accomplish with the time you have left in your life? When you think about the time that you have, no matter how old or how young you are, What's the most important thing you want to accomplish with the time you have left in your life? Okay, when you text Good Hope to 22333, you should be in the conversation at that point. All right? So text something other than Good Hope. Legacy is a big one. 
I see impact, purpose, happiness. When you think about what you have left to live in your life, here's the question I want to ask you. While you put very noble things, very spiritual things, very flowery things up there, the question I would ask if, if that's the most important thing you want to accomplish in your life with the time you have left, are you living the time that you have left in a way to make those things become a reality? See, nothing is going to happen by accident. It's only going to happen when you are intentional. Let me give you an example. Somebody gets a diagnosis of a terminal illness, and the prognosis is grim. And the doctor says you have three months to live. What would you do right now if the doctor told you you had three months to live? How would that change your outlook on life? How would that change your behavior? How would that change your dreams, your aspirations, and your goals? I think most of us, if we knew we only had three months in life, we would probably make some significant changes. Like there's some folk that you've been waiting to get out of your life. If you know you only had three months, they'd be gone. That once-in-a-lifetime trip that you've never made, now you're going to put that up on the front burner, right? Places that you want to go, things that you feel like you need to say to people. Well, in actuality and in all honesty, the truth of the matter is, if you have not gotten that diagnosis, you might be the unlucky one. Because the person who gets that diagnosis and that prognosis, who knows that they have three months to live according to what doctors say, even though God has the final word, at least they have a hint as to how much time they have left. You and I have no idea how much time we have left. We could have three months, three days, or three minutes. We have no idea how much time we have left, but the question on the table is, how much will you do with the time you do have left? See, each of us has 60 seconds in a minute, each of us has 60 minutes in an hour. Each of us has been given 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year, right? 168 hours in a week. But all of us don't use time the same way. And I submit we all don't use our time the same way because we haven't been taught to value time in the same way. So here's the question. What will you do with your time? Will you be idle? Will you be a busy body or will you be busy for the kingdom's sake? I want to talk to you today for, from the thought how to make the best use of your time. We're in the T-Cube 147 challenge or T3 147 challenge. And as we are preparing, I want you to start thinking about how do you make the best use of the time you have. Now, for those of you who are younger, Millennials and younger, in other words, if you were born 1981 or later, and the likelihood is you have more time in front of you than behind you, unlike me, a baby boomer, who has more time behind me than in front of me, 
if you can learn how to use and value time and make the most of your time, you will literally change the trajectory of your life. Because the overwhelming majority of us are experts at wasting time. We haven't learned how to make the most of a time we've been blessed with. Three things I want you to see around this idea of making the best use of your time. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to know God alone is the giver and controller of time. God alone is the giver and controller of time. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1 says, Verse 14 says, and God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. God created time. But the Bible says he not only created time, he also is a controller of time. Because in Joshua chapter 10, the Bible says that Joshua was in a battle with the Amorites. And the Amorites were the hated enemies of the Israelites. And Joshua had an opportunity to win the battle, but he was running out of time. And he prayed and asked God to make the sun stand still. And if you read Joshua chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, the Bible says God heard his prayer. Never had been done before, never has been done since. But God held the sun to give Joshua enough time to be victorious against his enemies. My brothers and sisters, none of us can control time. Can you imagine if you could? Like, what would you do if you could control time? I know what I do. I go back in time and make some major adjustments. You know what I mean? You be, man, look, if you go back in time, you'd be like, uh, look here. Yes, I'm going left instead of right. How you doing? Avoiding you. Why are you avoiding me? I know more than you know. I'm going that way, right? <laughs> Boy, you be making all kinds of shifts. Hopefully not with the person you sit next to, but you be making some changes. Lord have mercy. But we can't control time. We try to pretend like time doesn't move on, man, but time moves on. You can dye it. You can fry it. You can lie it. You can lay it to the side. You can do whatever you want. You can tuck it. You can cut it. You can nip it. You can do whatever you want to do, right? But time moves on. Somebody can tell you you don't look a day over, but you know you years over, right? Because time moves on. And the Bible says because time was created by God and is controlled by God, it should never be taken for granted by people. That's what Luke chapter 12 is focusing on. You've got that landowner, that rich man who says, I, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. I will store all of my grain because I've got an ample supply of goods that last me for years, and I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And God says in verse 20, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, 
whose will they be? Write this down somewhere. Time is a gift from God. Time is a gift from God. Now, I don't know about you, but I am kind of funny when I give somebody a gift and they treat the gift like it's nothing. Right? I, I remember I gave uh, one of my children a watch for, for Christmas, and then I found the watch on the floor. And then it was on the floor for like a day. So I picked it up, got me a watch. And so it's about three, four days later, hey, Pop, you see my watch? No, I haven't seen your watch. I saw the watch that I gave you four days ago that I took back. That's the watch I saw. No, Pop, why you take my watch? I said, because you wasn't acting like you valued the watch. Right? Guess what? Guess what? Time is a gift from God. And what you do with the gift that God has given you shows how much you value what God has given you. So let me ask you a question. If God evaluated whether or not you would get more time based on how you have used the time you already have used, how much more time would he give you? Or would God say, listen, you done wasted so much time. Ain't no need of me giving you any more time. Just come on up here and live with me. Because you don't know how to use the gift of time. See, when you waste time, you are literally wasting the gift that God has given to you. And I don't know if you realize this, but once time is gone, it can't be reclaimed. Listen, you lose money, you can make more money. If your dream house burns down, you can build another dream house. But when time is gone, you can't reclaim time. Here's the second thing. Number two, you need to realize your time on earth is limited. Your time on earth is limited. Everybody say limited. limited. Psalm 39, beginning at verse 4. Lord, remind me. Circle the word remind. Remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth for someone else to spend. The writer of the 39th Psalm says, Lord, remind me, teach me to number my days. Why? Because if I'm not reminded by God, I will tend to get beside myself and live like I will be here always. The psalmist says, listen. It is so critical that you learn this lesson and realize that all of the stuff that you heap up, somebody else going to spend it if you don't spend it. Now, now listen, I've, I've been blessed. My, my grandparents had a little bit, and they left some. My mama left a little bit, and, I, and I'm going to leave a little bit for my children, but I ain't going to leave them all. I don't know. I'm going to live some of this. I'm going to enjoy some of this. I, you know, 
And I, I damn to say, well, you going, you going again? Yes, I'm going again. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I am. I'm the one that worked for it. They don't need me leaving it in for you to go because you're going to be going after I'm gone. The psalmist says, Lord, remind me of the brevity of life. Remind me that my days are growing shorter. Now, how do we get reminded? You know how we get reminded? Some of you got reminded this morning with the aches and pains that you didn't have when you were younger. You, you are being reminded. When there's more hair in the brush than on your head, you are being, you're being reminded. When your heels get lower and your steps get shorter and the size gets larger, come on now, you are being reminded. That your days are numbered. Psalm 89, verse 47. Remember how short my time is. For what futility have you created all the children of men? How do you know, James 4, beginning at verse 14, what will happen tomorrow? For your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Uh, the old folks used to like say it like this, if the Lord will, right? And then they would also add, and if the creek don't rise, right? They say, look, look, I can't, I can't control tomorrow. I, I'm just trying to get through today. Come on, there was an old song we used to sing, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day as a time. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow may never be mine. But help me, Lord, take one day at a time. And David says, Lord, I, I need you to help me because if I'm not careful, boy, I get beside myself and I'll start trying to live like I'll be here forever. And, you know, it's hard for you to imagine the world without you. No, no, it really is because as long as you've known the world, it's had you. Right? You don't know what the world was like without you, and you won't be around when the world is without you. So you think you're going to be here. And God says, no, i got to remind you, you have a limited amount of time on earth. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must make the most of the time you have. You must make the most of the time you have. Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. There's a direct correlation, according to the psalmist, between learning how to number days and wisdom. In other words, when the Bible talks about wisdom, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge, the proper use of facts that will result in not just your personal edification, but giving glory to God. That's what a wise person does. So he says, 
Lord, teach us to number our days so we can grow in wisdom. Because some of the stuff that we do, we do out of foolishness because we act like we're going to be here forever. He says, teach us to number our days. Now watch this. When God is teaching us to number our days, he's not referring to an actual number. What he's referring to is a limited amount of time. He wants you to understand your time is not unlimited. There's a limit to the time that you have been blessed with. So how do you make good use of the limited resources you have? When the Bible says, realize the brevity of life, brevity refers to two things. Write this down somewhere. Brevity refers to the small amount of years that we have and the speed by which the years go by. It's the amount of years and how fast the years go. Now, you don't have to believe me when I tell you the years go by fast. Especially those of you who are under 20 and you think, ooh, 50s old. You are old man. Boy, you'd be surprised how fast that dial will spin. Because time goes by fast. And the psalmist says you need to realize how brief time is, how fast time goes by. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Paul pleads for us to make the most of our time immediately. Immediately after pleading with us to walk wisely rather than foolishly. He says you have a choice in life. You can walk foolishly, you can live foolishly, or you can live wisely. And if you choose to live wisely, make the most of your time. Now, let's be honest. How many of us can look back over our lives and lose track of the time we wasted. And the time we wasted was typically linked to what? Foolish living. (laughs) Right? Foolish living, foolish people, foolish person, foolish you. And you can look back and see all of the time that was wasted in what the old preacher would call riotous living. Did stuff that you may have enjoyed at the time that you can't even remember now. (laughs) Or you can say now, yeah, I had a good time. What'd you do? Oh, I was just so much, you know, I just. (laughs) Listen, outside of willful disobedience and disregard for the word of God, there is no activity a Christian can engage in to waste more time than wasting time. Outside of disobedience, just willful disobedience, when a Christian wastes time, that is the biggest affront to your relationship with God. So what does he say? He says, redeem the time. Rescue from loss the time that you have. What are you going to do with the time you have left? I made mistakes in the past. Everybody's made mistakes in the past. 
but do you continue to perpetuate and make the mistakes in the present that you've made in the past, or do you change your present in order to change your future? You've got to make a decision to say, you know what? If I want something different in my life, I've got to do something different. There was one thing that I didn't see come up on that stage, on that screen, when we did that survey. I didn't see one reference to money, house, big house, lot of cars. I didn't see any reference to any of that. Y'all were real spiritual. I don't know if you were just trying to make me feel good or what. Purpose, legacy, fulfillment, godliness. But then why do you use all of your time to get the stuff that you didn't put up on the screen? Because everything you're doing in life is not about legacy or fulfillment or purpose. It's about cars, cash, commodities, creature comforts, clothes with the tag still on. That's what you live for. I mean, you get a second job to pay for stuff that you don't need to impress people that you don't know, to look good for people who don't know you. You're not using your time to get those things. You're using your time to get other stuff. He says you've got to redeem the time, rescue time from loss. And that word for time is really focusing on opportunity. It's opportunity, y'all. God, God wants you to redeem the time. Make good use of the opportunities that God blesses you with. Why? Because opportunities will not always be present. So every year around Super Bowl time, right, National Football League, championship football game, I always think it's arrogance to, to, to name yourself the world champion, right, like you're the only one playing the game, but, you know, because you're in the U.S., but okay, world champions of football, right? And every year around Super Bowl time, they have a discussion about the best player to have never won a Super Bowl. And typically, if not in the top three, at the top of the list is a quarterback by the name of Dan Marino. Now, many of you don't know Dan Marino. Dan Marino went to the University of Pittsburgh, graduated, and was part of what is deemed by many to be the number one quarterback class of all time. But what a lot of people don't remember is Dan Marino was not labeled as one of the top quarterbacks of that class. It was revisionist history that went back and said it was one of the best classes and one of the reasons was because of Dan Marino. He wasn't drafted in the top ten. Matter of fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there were four quarterbacks drafted in front of him, right? Now, I had a friend that I went to school with by the name of Onu. Onu was from Pittsburgh, and Onu loved Dan Marino. We're in college together, and Onu said, man, Dan Marino, man, Dan Marino's one of the best quarterbacks, man, coming out. And we're like, Onu, come on, man. He got a strong arm. 
It's erratic. He throws a bunch of interceptions. No, man. D, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, man, Dan Marino's going to be an all-pro one day. We was like, yeah, right, whatever. And this is what Onu said. Onu said, see, see, y'all can't see it, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. All of these other teams are going to pass on Dan Marino, and then he's going to get drafted by a great team with a great coach. Somebody like, like the Miami Dolphins is going to draft him, Don Shula. And then y'all going to see how good Dan Marino is. That's what he said. And we was like, yeah, right, whatever. So what happened? Dan Marino gets drafted by the Miami Dolphins and Don Shula and becomes one of the great quarterbacks of all time in NFL history. But here's what he missed, and he admits it today. He went to the Super Bowl early in his career. And one of his teammates was telling the story. They lost. And his teammate is dejected. He's sad. And Dan Marino is happy-go-lucky, man. He's got three or four, six packs of beer in the back of the car with him. And he's like, man, why are you so down? He's like, man, Dan, we lost the Super Bowl. He's like, yeah, we lost, man, but that's all right. We'll be back next year. And, man, he's drinking, man. Like, Come on, man, chill up, man. We're going to win some Super Bowls. We're going to get back. And the next year, they didn't get back. And the year after that, they didn't get back. And Dan Marino had a long NFL career and never made it back to the Super Bowl. And Dan Marino said he didn't take it seriously when he had the opportunity. Willie McGinnis is a linebacker for the New England Patriots. He's won three, four Super Bowls, right? Super Bowl champion. But you know what Willie McGinnis did? He told the story of the first Super Bowl he went to. He said, the first Super Bowl I went to, he said, man, I had a great time. I enjoyed all of the festivities. Now, festivities around the Super Bowl means drinking, partying, women, staying up late. Those are festivities. He said, I enjoyed all of the festivities of the Super Bowl. I had a great time, and we lost. And Willie McGinnis said, I told myself, if I ever get back again, I'm going to come to take care of business. I'm not coming back to enjoy the festivities. I'm coming back to play and win in the game. And he never lost another Super Bowl that he was privileged to play in. Now, you and I will never play in the Super Bowl for the NFL championship. But how are you doing in the game of life? Because see, every day, every month, every year, you have an opportunity to play in the game of life. And the question is, are you going to take advantage of the opportunities that you have, or do you just look at passing opportunities and say, well, you know, another one is coming? Because what you need to realize is when opportunity leaves, another opportunity like, like that may never come your way again. So an ancient Greek statue was made and erected. And it depicted a man with wings on his feet. He had a large lock of hair in the front of his head and he was bald in the back. And the name of the statue was Opportunity. And somebody said, why did you name it Opportunity? And why did you, why did you put wings on his feet? 
He says, because opportunity comes fast and leaves just as quickly. And they said, well, but why would you put a big old lock of hair on the front of the head of opportunity and it's bald in the back? And the artist said, because when opportunity comes, you better grab it while it's in front of you. Because if you miss it, you can't grab it from behind. Paul says, redeem the time. Make good use of the opportunities that God gives to you. And that word for redeem is in the middle voice, which means time is not something that you have to wait for somebody else to give you. You have to redeem your own time and make good use of the time God has blessed you with. You know, one of the most tragic characters in the Bible Arguably the most tragic character in the Bible is Judas. And here's why it's so tragic. He spent three years with Jesus. Three years. And then betrayed him. And hung himself over a 30 piece of silver betrayal. Spent three years with the master, I mean, with, with Jesus. He's watching the miracles. He's participating in the healings. He's seeing God do some things that nobody had ever seen before. He's an up-close and personal eyewitness. And after three years, some would say no closer to a personal relationship with God than he was three years earlier. Shame on us if we spend years in church, years in the word, years praying, years fasting, years seeking God, only to end our lives at a place where we have wasted time. There's an old song it says, time is filled with swift transitions. Not on earth unmoved can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. And somebody in here, I need you to know. God wants you to use your time in a way that will not just build you, but will glorify him. So how will you use your time? God has blessed you. Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I pray now, God, that as your word has gone forth, it has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. We ask you to have your way in our lives and make good fruit come forth as a result of what we've heard. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.